0: I think that's a way that a lot of people get burned out because they date a lot and they try to get their needs, their relational needs met uh, through dating, which I think is a really bad idea.
1: From the Relationship Center, I'm psychotherapist, couples counselor, and dating coach Jessica Engel. And this is I Love You Too, a show about how to create and sustain meaningful relationships.
2: I'm professional certified coach Josh Van Vliet. On today's episode, we're going to talk about how to avoid online dating burnout. We're so happy you're here. And please remember that this show is not a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Welcome, everybody. We're so thrilled to have you joining us for this episode where we're going to be talking about how to avoid online dating burnout. And we're particularly thrilled because we have a special guest joining us for this podcast. Our fabulous clinician, Laya Paradino Mateo, is joining us today. She is a psychotherapist, dating coach, and EMDR practitioner with us here at the Relationship Center. She's also our resident shame slayer. Um, (laughs) And she does some amazing work with shy introverts, chronically single adults, and highly sensitive trauma survivors, She's just got an incredible background, just some little slices here. She's got an extensive training in gestalt therapy, uh, EMDR, flash technique, internal family systems, group therapy, calling in the one, coaching, I could go on. And she just brings a wonderful warmth, directness, and playfulness to everything she does. And we're so thrilled that she's able to join us for today's episode. She has a lot to say about how to avoid online dating burnout. So welcome, Laya.
0: Hi, Laya. Hi, This is so nice. (laughs) 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 This is the nicest introduction ever.
1: Yeah, it's a delight for me to have you on this podcast. Number one, this is our first episode ever with another person aside from the two of us. And it's very sweet to have you on. I often feel with my staff like I have these amazing humans who are doing incredible work, but not a lot of people get to see it because you're one-on-one with all of your clients. So it's just a delight to be able to share you and and your wisdom with our listener. Thank
2: you. So on today's episode, we are going to uh, dig into some questions around online dating burnout. Um, Starting with just what is it? What is online dating burnout and why is online dating so exhausting? Um, And then we're going to go into what do we do about it, including, um, why is mindset so important for online dating and what kinds of mindsets help us prevent dating burnout? Right. So uh, I think we're just going to dive right in here with our first question, which is what is dating uh, burnout?
1: Yeah. So um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I sort of think of dating burnout as uh, that state that we can get to when we've basically the the work of dating has exceeded our resources, and we end up just feeling kind of bitter or cynical, or like we start to avoid dating um, that sort of thing. What do you see when you see burnout?
0: I completely agree with you. I think it's also when you lose your capacity for connection a little bit, like when every date, like you hear yourself like saying the same things or... The same jokes, and you like notice yourself like a little bit in a, in a rut. And also, when you, um, complain about it a lot to whoever is right. listening, you complain like there are no good men, women, people in this city. There are no, all of the, all the best ones are taken. Um, everybody in the apps looks for, A, B, C, right? Like when when we start to make these generalizations, I think it's a good sign that we're burned out.
1: Right, yeah. It makes me think of, what's that character from the Peanuts that had the cloud following him? Is that Linus? (sighs) Right? So like if you with dating have like a dark cloud over you all the time, that's a pretty good sign that there's some burnout present.
2: I loved how you put that, uh, Laia, that we kind of lose our capacity for connection, that we're just kind of like doing the same things over and over again on dates, not actually really present to the person that we're with and like not really able to like connect with them in that moment. That's such a good uh, descriptor for it and kind of marker for it, as well as that sign of if we know, notice we're complaining a lot, that's a really good indicator that we're, we might be experiencing some burnout.
1: Yes. Yeah, I also want to just throw in um, some stats here. There was a, a report done by a data analytics company, Singles Reports, in 2022 that concluded that nearly 80% of online daters said that they had experienced emotional burnout or, or fatigue with online dating. 80% is wild. Um, so clearly it is uh, something that's very easy to get burnt out from.
0: Yeah, it. Even makes me wonder, what about the remaining 20%? <laughs> because really, I think like, if you <laughs> date for long enough, at some point, at some point you're going to get burned out, right? Like, I don't think it's like, um, right. I think it's just like a fact of any activity, I think.
2: So that's kind of how we, we notice dating burnout, how we might, what, might see it. Uh, why? Why do we get burned out? Why do we find uh, online dating in particular so exhausting? Mm
1: -hmm. What do you think, Laya?
0: I have a lot of thoughts about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first, I think like we keep meeting people that we don't know before, strangers without the backdrop of a common ground. And we have to connect with them with nothing to hold on. Right? Like, usually when you connect with someone in quote unquote real life, you have something to hold on, right? Like, it's like a common friend or a, a, a work at, a, at the work or outside, something happens, right? But like, out of the blue, you are like sitting across this person that you don't know for this very intimate thing, and you have to connect to them and you have to do it over and over too, right? It's not one thing undone. Like, if you are dating, if you're really committed to dating, you may be doing it like once a week.
1: That makes a lot of sense to me. It sounds like part of what you're talking about is, A, just like the novelty factor of it. There's so much newness, right? This person is kind of their own universe and you've just encountered them for the first time. And it's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's a very uh, complex act to figure out where you can connect with a human being. And then I think added on top of that, there's just how much it matters, right? Like love for a lot of people is, you know, one of the things they want most in life, right? And it also feels very, um, like on an attachment level, on a nervous system level, it feels very life or death to have love. Um, So I think that that just raises the stakes on top of it already being kind of... um, Uh, high stress because of the novelty.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think this is leading towards also like it's inevitable and I think it's a good thing that we get excited and we get our hopes up and then sometimes we get disappointed and this this happens many times, right? And like after... A few too many rounds of this, we start to, I think it's a very normal thing, right? Like we start to shield ourselves a little bit and then we make these generalizations or assumptions to basically protect our heart, right? Because there's this hope and then there's this disappointment. Oh, this wasn't the one. And I think like dating requires a lot of really complex uh, emotional skills and, and social skills.
2: I mean, I, I love what you both are pointing to. It's like, it's high stakes. You're uh, doing something new over and over again, trying to figure out how to connect to a new person with maybe very little context. Um, and we're doing it over and over again in a way that um, can often land as we're getting either rejected or we're just not getting the result that we're looking for again and again and again. And you know, being rejected at all can feel very painful emotionally painful and if you're feeling that over and over again whether or not you're the one doing the you know you're being actually being rejected or you're the one saying no this isn't it it's like you're it's like disappointment again and again and again and i think i'm curious to hear if you guys agree with this but um i think it often feels like we don't have a lot of control over what's happening it's like i'm doing all this stuff and nothing I do seems to make any difference. And it's, it's almost like I'm a, a little bit of helplessness comes up. It's like, no matter what I do, I just keep getting the same result. And so it's almost like no wonder we would get a little burnt out or a little bit. Like, I don't want to keep doing this. I just keep feeling bad and not making any progress.
0: I think that what you just said, that this is the heart of the matter, right? Like, we... I think with anxiety we all tend there's this very human thing that we all tend to want to control. And so much about uh dating is outside of our control. And it's it's unsettling, right? And what do we do when we are unsettled? It's like we try to control back, right? Like when when we are when we have this feeling of loss of control, which is the burnout, right? Then we try to control back and we make this like Sweeping assumptions to say, like, to, to, to map our way through, right? But, but I think, like, you just, how do you say that? You hit the nail on the head? Is that, is that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you got it? <laughs> okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's also making me think about um, Emily Nagoski, who wrote uh, Come As You Are, also wrote a book on burnout that's really great. And in it, she talks about how, you know, our, our brains are wired to kind of calculate how much we're getting out in comparison to how much we're putting in. And so if you have that experience of, well, I put so much in and I don't get anything out, meaning I don't get the relationship I want, um, of course your system's going to start to go into, you know, why even do this? Um, And I think we'll talk a little bit later in the show about mindset and mindsets that can maybe help counter... Um, that experience of I'm not getting anything out of this.
0: Yeah, about this that you're saying, I think that's another aspect to why to why it can it, it can be so exhausting that we are. I think in dating we're putting a ton of I'm just gonna name it like that relational energy, right? A, a ton of effort and relational energy. We're like scheduling, even if we are extroverts. Um, but we're scheduling nice times of our lives. They are not like work times. They are like after work times. And we're putting all this relational energy and, and conversational skills and things. And usually when we put that much out, we get we get something out of it, right? We get uh, either care or laughter or play or fun or connection or some relaxation or comfort, right? Um, with other... Um, relational, situa- relational situations that we have in our, in our life. And with dating, we keep putting it out with no guarantee that we'll get it back. And sometimes when we get a string of difficult dates, it's exactly what you're saying, right? That we, you know, we evaluate in our minds like what we're putting out and what's coming back. And, and we are at a loss.
2: And it's even like how much energy it takes sometimes to even get to a date. Like there's the the bad dates, which can be really, as you're saying, like exhausting and and difficult. And then there's also just all of the swiping and messaging that goes into even getting to a date, I think that can also be pretty exhausting.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah, I'll just add one more and then we can maybe go on to the next question. But I think it's good to remember that the apps are they're designed to keep you on them. For the most part, right, and so there is kind of an addictive quality to using them. Typically, it's like with social media, they're they're giving you enough, but not consistently, so that you know that intermittent reinforcement we've talked about before really gives you that dopamine rush, but it also drains it drains you. Um, so I think that's a good thing to keep in mind. Is like it's it's also partially just about the technology.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, good
0: point. Well I think the activity itself is like very anxiety producing right because like we're ideally it's not what we're doing but or the only thing we're doing but that I think it happens a lot that we are evaluating and being evaluated right and like anybody will tell you when you're like looking for a job like it's a stressful time in your life and sometimes we're doing this for a long time right and and it kicks up all of our insecurities, like am I normal? am I okay? Am I attractive? Is there something wrong with me, and nobody's telling me. I remember when i was dating that ten minutes before a first date like i i I didn't have too much anxiety about it, but ten min- minutes before a first date, like I had like this feeling of like I don't know what to do with my mouth <laughs> like where <laughs> do I put my <laughs> lips do i like I didn't remember how to smile. It's like I as I'm talking about it, I can almost feel it. Like it's like, is this a smile? Am I am I grimacing? Like um, like I would lose like operation of like my face. And just validating that like Yeah, it's it's anxiety producing.
2: I remember on uh, our first date with me and Jessica, um, <laughs> our first in-person date, I remember like getting to the date and being like, I think I literally said to you, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> now, granted, we we were also like going on a first date in the middle of a pandemic with masks on, six feet apart. So there were a number of kind of anxiety-producing uh, factors there. But yeah, it is. It's like this is, you know, this is uncomfortable. Like we're kind of navigating <laughs> how to how to do this. Uh,
1: yeah, I think I responded. I think we walk into the rose garden. It was a that very we're outside, very
2: <laughs> sweet, and just like yeah. Let's just we'll just take the next step. Just go into the rose. It's <laughs> great.
0: Um, Which is a beautiful example of like how even with anxiety and pandemic and um, mm-hmm. everything, right? Like good things happen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I remember I was shaking a little bit at the beginning of that date too. And it was just like, all right. Well, you know, I do this for a living, helping people <laughs> with anxiety around dating. And if there's anything I can remember in my stress state right now, it's, take the next step. Like, Mm -hmm. and literally, like we, we just walked. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that, that was really helpful.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. It worked. (laughs) It worked.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, this feels like a good segue into uh, what do we do about it? Uh, Mm -hmm. What do we do about online dating burnout? You know, if it's, if it's exhausting, it's overwhelming, it's high stakes, you know, it's, we're constantly evaluating and being evaluated, uh, you know, lots of energy put in without necessarily a lot of results out, all of these very good reasons for why we might experience this. Uh, what do we do?
1: Yeah, I am excited, Laia, to ping pong back and forth. I know, you know, working with people all day long around this stuff, we have lots of thoughts about this. Um, so I'll start. I know that um, one tip that comes from Logan Yuri is you know, really just going for the matches that you're genuinely excited about. Not spending time on the people where you're kind of like, meh. Uh, which I think has its pros and cons, but that's one you can try. How about you, Laia?
0: Yeah, I like, I like that one. I think we get really intentional about it. Um, and we, we have a game plan, and we, we get clear on what we want and what is our strategy and working towards it. And of course you can do this with a professional like us, but you can also do that like reading one of the many wonderful dating or finding love books out there and getting really clear yourself.
1: Yeah. I love that. It's, I think a lot of people think with dating, you know, there's sort of a romantic thought about it. Like it should be organic or it should be, I don't know if easy is the right word, but you know, it's a skill. It's a skill that a lot of us don't really learn. So I love what you're saying. We can intentionally cultivate that skill, have a plan. That's great. Yeah. And then I'll share a few others from, there was a recent New York Times article about the toll of dating app burnout. I don't know if you all caught that one, Um, but they offer kind of a smattering of tips from different experts um, one is just to talk with a the therapist to clarify why the apps are burning you out because it can be a lot of different things. Like you were saying earlier, Laya, it might be anxiety. It might just be kind of like your strategy or plan. It could, it could be a lot of things. Um, so that was one. Another was to really browse mindfully and speak to only a few matches at a time. Um, Helen Fisher was interviewed for the article and she suggests to, you should stop browsing on the app after you've found nine people that you've, you have some sort of connection with. And her encouragement was to like develop relationships with those nine people. And it was about kind of how many things you can hold in your attention at one time. Nine is kind of the max. Um, and then they also were recommending meeting matches virtually first, which I really love. I, I continue to encourage um, my clients to do that. And uh, I'm so grateful, actually, to how the world has shifted, because I think it's it's helping a lot of people save time and energy to to do that screening process virtually first.
0: I agree so much on this, and I especially love the one of swiping mindfully and this thing of Ellen, Helen Fisher of like nine people, right? Because this is the way to... Avoid the shopping, the shopping mindset, right? Of like, no, 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 maybe yeah, right? That it doesn't help anything. Like you don't even know these people. You're just judging them on how good their picture is. Another one that I think is like getting informed on best practices for dating. Strategizing on our own strategy, but not playing games with people. And put our kind of self out there. I think it really helps to have a kinder experience. And and speaking for per, for personal experience, I was always very considerate, and what I got back was mostly very considerate answers. And I think yeah, get informed on like how do you reject people? When do you need to actually? Let them know, let them down. Um, how to do that with kindness, but without a lot of fanfare. What does it mean playing games in online dating, right? Like getting informed about these things, with, which again, there are like lots of good resources and I'm sure we'll have a good episode about it.
2: Laya, I want to follow up with you about the, uh, when you say you have a strategy, but not play games, what do you mean by having a strategy?
0: Yeah, like... Um, having a strategy for yourself is like who are you looking for, and wh- how are you gonna go about it, right? What kind of person are you looking for? Getting really clear on your values um, about it. Uh, you know, the we did, you guys did the first episode on that. What are good things to look for, and where are you? Where are you willing to? Do about it. So I'm gonna do online dating, and I'm also gonna try maybe speed dating, or I'm gonna do this, and maybe when you have a little bit more more of experience, like have your own rules of like, for example, I love Logan, our Nuestra Señora Logan Uri, están los cielos. No, she's alive. Um, that she says like go at least um, into uh, for two dates with with each person, right? Which I think is a good rule. So making yourself some rules. Um so this is these are the strategies that you put out, but not like versus playing games of like I don't enjoy them for four hours at the beginning. Or like which we have there's research saying that that doesn't work or like I I do hot and cold or whatever, all this uh, game playing that nobody likes. (laughs) Nobody likes this. Mm -hmm. Do you like being at the end of this? No. So then don't do it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I love that distinction that you're making, Laya. I'm hearing what you're saying that there's like a strategy for how I approach dating and how I approach like finding the person that I'd love to be with, uh, versus a strategy for like a particular person to get something from them right yeah like, that's kind of the game playing is like oh if i do these particular things i'm going to get them to do this thing for me or get them to you know whatever um and it's like it's a strategy for dating it's not a strategy for like manipulating people basically which is what yeah kind of that game playing is mm-hmm. yeah, i think that's that. the
0: exact word that i yeah manipulating is what i meant yeah thank you mm-hmm.
1: I think too, part of strategy um, needs to include pacing and taking breaks, right? There's that quote, I don't know who it comes from, but like, when you get tired, learn how to rest, not to quit, mm. right? And so how how can we pace ourselves in the dating experience to honor that it's a marathon, not a sprint? Um, and you know, for some people, they do need to take breaks periodically, just kind of like, log off of the apps, even delete them if that feels cleansing. Um, the one ca- sort of caveat I would give to that is I I do think that for some people they'll take a break but they won't do the sort of like active rest needed to heal the burnout. And so they'll just stay in avoidance mode for long periods. Um, and so I, I definitely recommend if you do take a break, like have ways to engage with that healing process, whether it's therapy or journaling or yoga or meditation, whatever it is, to get your system back to feeling
0: restored and ready. I agree so much. And I think in this is also like taking really good care of yourself emotionally. After first dates, make sure you connect with a friend who really appreciates you or you appreciate and make sure your relational needs are really well met all the time during dating, because you're putting, again, you're putting out a lot of relational energy that is not always going in. So you have to get really, I think, disciplined in, especially those of us who are introverts. For me, like if I go on a date, I'm pretty set socially for a weekend, right? But like, no, like then I would have to Meet with a friend or have a good one on one connection with someone that feels more nourishing and um, and I think that's important too. I think that's a way that a lot of people get burned out because they date a lot and they try to get their needs their relational needs met uh, through dating, which I think is a really bad idea because people who you are dating are not are not in your life yet and don't know you well and don't are not there yeah so being really good at taking care of your relational needs and another thing that i think would be good is like maybe being part of some group or some community that is nourishing aside from work
1: yeah i love that so much it's so it's so good just to recognize like yeah dating it's a beautiful thing it's a wonderful thing it's a thing that will give to our lives in a lot of ways and because of the the novelty factor because of having to put a lot of energy out it, it is going to drain us um, and just to be very strategic about that and say okay I'm gonna I'm gonna balance I'm gonna fill my cup back up with friends with community with whatever it is I think similarly along the lines of of getting support um, one last thing I'll throw in there is just in thinking about how apps are like slot machines right there is this addictive quality um, to really get some accountability and set some boundaries around using the apps. So I know one thing I did when I was dating was I would bookend my swiping time with a friend. I would text before and after, and I'd have a certain amount of time that worked for my system that was like, I think it was maybe like 15 minutes or something. After 15 minutes, I started to feel really drained. And so I would just sort of cap it at that. But, they are so addictive, so having a little bit of accountability and support can be really helpful for that.
0: I love that. It's like you know what you're doing, Jessica. <laughs> I have another one. So I think also, I think if you're dating and you are finding love, as vulnerable as it is, I think it's our own duty to ourselves to find an, a way, find our own angle to enjoy the process or accept the process, right? And I think part of that is to challenge our negative beliefs with beliefs that work better and, and, and will work better for our attitude, right? So um, a lot of, you know, I think we've all said this at some point in time, but like, there are no good ex, uh, good people in the city of X, right? And Or like, I don't know, you know your own negative beliefs, then finding a way to transform them, that in something that is true um, doesn't have to be cheesy, doesn't have to be untrue, but it works better for you, right? So, for example, a way to work with this belief of there are no good people in the city of X or whatever. It's like, well, what I haven't found someone I click with yet, I can see that so-and-so did, and there is no reason why I cannot find that person too, right? Find your own ways to enjoy this process. I remember as a kid, sometimes I really hated some a subject and of course I had bad grades and then at some point I had to like pass the subject. I'm talking about math. <laughs> and, <laughs> Not like, to single subjects th- out. Yeah. <laughs> and like I would do this thing of like making myself find something that I would enjoy, you know? Like I would, I don't know, like I would go like, okay, gather myself and find something that I would enjoy. And I think, I think you have to do this in anything that you have to do. Like if you've come to the conclusion with yourself, like I need to date because I really want to find love, then you have to find something, something you can hold on that you can enjoy.
2: I freaking love that, Laya. I think that's so brilliant. And uh, I remember a shift that occurred for me in in dating was when I realized I should suggest Dates that I would actually enjoy, right? Instead of like, oh, well, we should go out for drinks or like go have dinner or something. It's like the two main first date things I wanted to do were go for a walk or have tea. Why don't I just suggest that? Then, however, the date is, I'm doing something that I'd like to do anyway. <laughs> and I remember it, it's just it was such a, you know, revelation for me at the time. Yeah, I think it's so powerful, and it's like. It it kind of shifts from what we can't control, which is the other person, other person, you know, a lot of things about online dating. To okay, what is something that I can control? I can find something to enjoy about this process, whatever it might be.
1: I think Josh, that you're already answering our next question, which which is why is mindset important in online dating? And I think uh, to quote Laya. You hit the nail on the head. <laughs> uh, yeah, mindset's one of the things that's under your control, and that you can adjust to have a better experience.
0: I think though that this trick is really good. The trick that Josh just said is really yeah. Do something like that you wanted to do anyway. I think it's perfect. And even if the person is annoying, it's like at least you're having <laughs> a good cup of oolong tea or whatever it is that you like
2: yeah exactly exactly well and, and on this mindset thing I want to circle back to what you were saying before that as well Laya about the kind of negative beliefs or conclusions that we can have about dating or about other people or whatever it might be and um, I think this also speaks right to this topic about mindset right that it's not only is it um, something that we can control which is huge but it also shapes what we actually like see, what opportunities we see, what, what connections we form, right? I know there's this metaphor from my coach training, and I know this is, I think, a metaphor from cognitive behavioral therapy and probably other, other places as well, that these conclusions or beliefs are like lenses. And you know, if we think about how a colored lens works, like a red colored lens, it only passes through uh, red light. And it, re- and it rejects all other colors. And so you can be looking around a room through red colored lenses and everything will look red. And it's like, oh, well, the floor is red. Oh, the, you know, the plant over there is red. That's a weird red plant. Cool, okay. If we take the lenses off for a second, we see, oh, there's so many other colors in the room that we weren't seeing before. And in a similar way with things like, well, all you know, men suck or all women suck or all people suck or whatever it is. Um we are filtering everything through that conclusion. And so anything that confirms that belief gets through, so to speak, kind of our, our brains will pull for that. And anything that goes against that belief, our, our brains very naturally kind of reject that, uh, that piece of evidence. And so when, as you're pointing to, when we shift not to just a conclusion that is kind of counter to, I think this is the place where a lot of people run into trouble is just trying to argue with like, oh, well, all, all men are great. And your mind is like, nah, Psh, no, they're not. <laughs> I can pull up so many examples for why you're wrong about that. And then you just get into this argument with your brain and you pretty much always lose that argument. Your brain is, you're never gonna win against that aspect of your mind. But what you're pointing to, Laya, which I love is shifting your attention to something that's true. That's like, your brain can't argue with that because it's like, well, the fact is this person found somebody and there's a reason I can't add her. I haven't met them yet, but that's true, right? Or it's true that I am willing to enjoy, find a way to enjoy this process, right? That's just true. Your brain can't really argue with that, and so I just love, yeah, I love that you're 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 pointing to that because I think that's such a powerful way to shift where we're focusing our attention and and actually see different opportunities or different, uh, you know. Um, evidence for what's out there, different connections we might've missed if we weren't looking for it.
1: Right. Well, and I think that those beliefs, they not only affect what we're seeing and how we're interpreting things, but then in turn, our behaviors. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, Laia, you've done a lot of work around this and you're calling in the one training. So in a moment, I'd love to hear anything you have to say on this. But I was reminded of this recently when I was uh, listening to Marissa Franco's book, Platonic, which I highly recommend. It's about attachment theory in friendships. And she goes through how rejection sensitivity, which is part of anxious attachment, is you know essentially where your nervous system is set up to project um, like rejection onto ambiguous social situations, right? And then in turn, typically become distant or cold. And then in turn, there's some research that shows partners of these people are unsatisfied because their partners are unsupportive or jealous. Um, So it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy. On the flip side, there's the acceptance prophecy, which is uh, when we're secure, we assume others like us, and then we actually kind of in, invite that experience in. Um, there was uh, an interesting piece of work done by uh, Danu Anthony Stinson from the University of Waterloo and her colleagues where they hypothesized when people believe that others like them, they respond warmly and that leads to more positive interactions. They recorded videos of those who assumed they'd be liked and those who didn't. And the way that these people felt about themselves correlated with how likable they were rated by others um so you know really allowing yourself to believe oh i am liked will give you the experience of being liked
2: mind blown
0: (laughs) so true and yeah and i i love that you have studies to back it up because we see this over and over
1: Yeah. I especially like having the research because, you know, we're in the San Francisco Bay area. We're in the woo capital, I think of, of the U (laughs) S potentially. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of like spirituality manifesting stuff, um, that I know for me sometimes lands as, um, magical thinking or kind of like, well, if you're single, it's because you haven't been thinking positively enough. And, um, I like how this just Breaks it down to into like there's just a natural sequence of events. If you're holding yourself in a way that um, communicates I'm I'm not likable, yeah, no. it's nothing uh, esoteric. Another reason that mindset is important is when we can really notice our mindset. I think that will allow us to think more clearly about the decisions we're making in dating, and we have a better chance of uh, interrupting dysfunctional patterns, right? I was reading up a little bit recently on outcome bias. Josh, do you know about outcome bias? I feel like you're a cognitive bias guy.
2: You know, I don't know the name, actually. Yeah. I'm excited to hear about it.
1: Yeah. So outcome bias is our tendency to judge a decision based on the result rather than on the process. Oh,
2: I do know this one. I love this one. Yes. Okay, keep going.
1: Yes. Yeah. So um, you know, for example, you are single, you're swiping a lot, going a lot of first dates, but you're not in a relationship, you may start to um, take that outcome as a sign that you're making bad decisions, or even it can extend to um, thinking that you are bad or the, the people you're dating are bad, Okay. And, you know, that's just not a rational response. It's a very human one, but it's not a rational one because dating is inherently a calculated risk. There is chance involved. You don't have control over the outcome. And so whether you have a relationship or not isn't an indicator of whether you were making good decisions along the way. So you could start to kind of like blame yourself or, you know, blame men, women, people in general. On the flip side, if you get into a relationship and then you, let's say you break up, you may not closely look at your decisions getting into the relationship if this bias is at play because you're like, well, I got a relationship, right? And so you may not really be looking at, was that the right relationship for me? Um, So I think that really looking at dating as a process rather than an outcome is, is gonna be much more useful in terms of clarifying, like, am I on the right track? Is there anything I need to be adjusting
2: There's a fabulous book about uh, outcome bias called Thinking in Bets. I'm forgetting uh, the author's name right now, Annie somebody. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, Doesn't specifically talk directly a lot about dating, but right to your point, right? It's like we think, oh, well, I got this outcome. Therefore, my process was good or uh, it didn't go well. Therefore, my process was bad. And it's actually like the decision you're making can have nothing to do with, it's like how how good of a decision it was has nothing to do with the outcome you got, right? Because you're saying there's chance involved. There's things outside of our control. So it's how can we improve our decision-making regardless of what the outcome is? That's like where we have the power. Right. Which then over time, when we make multiple decisions, kind of take multiple bets, so to speak, um, we overall get better outcomes even if any one particular outcome doesn't go the way we want it to. Mm
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think also with this, um, I I really love this. And with this process mindset, which I think is a much better mindset and it makes you be more present and it makes everything less uh, transactional and more meaningful and less uh, of a means to an end and less of an interview or being interviewed. I think also like you're learning important, are learning important things that you will need later in your relationship. And this is something that Ken Page repeats a lot. And I really love it that um, dating skills are relational skills. People think that, they, that dating is this obstacle. They have to jump to get to where they want to go, but... Um, I I see it more as a this this very intensive workshop.
2: Mm, Yeah. (laughs) So true. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that touches on one of the mindsets, or maybe a couple that really help prevent dating burnout. I mean, it sounds like what I'm hearing in there in part is a just kind of like radical acceptance, right? Like radically accepting the hero's heroine's journey of dating. Yeah. Um, as a growth process, as a spiritual practice, in some ways, and I think so much can be opened up when we are a yes to the 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 joys and the challenges. And then I'm also hearing in their growth mindset, yeah, um, which is one of the things that I, I definitely wanted to name here is. Uh, for the listener, growth versus fixed mindset is uh, something that there's been a lot of research around, particularly in terms of education. But I think it also applies to dating where growth mindset is a mindset where we see that skills can be cultivated and that quote unquote failure is just an indicator that more growth is available. It's not a comment on us as as a being or our intelligence, our inherent qualities. Whereas fixed mindset uh, we really see failures as reflective of uh, we're bad, we're wrong, we're flawed. Um, and you uh, you can imagine probably as I'm saying that, one really leads to a curiosity mindset, a an adventurous mindset, a resiliency, whereas the fixed mindset leads to giving up, uh, feeling shame. Um, and so... Uh, yeah, I'm just hearing what you're saying, Laya, That uh, cultivation of of growth mindset. I am going to use this dating process to build my relational skills, which will serve me over many, many years.
2: Um, I freaking love that. And one of the things that I love about that is that a growth mindset is a skill that can be developed. Yes. Right. Meta. I know. <laughs> but we can. It's it's. <laughs> I know because I I uh, I have at times in my life uh, suffered from a fixed mindset, um, but it's it's literally a skill that you can practice. Like even when you notice the thoughts of like, oh, this is either I am this or I'm not, or I like have this or I don't, in shifting the focus of your attention to questions like, what can I learn here? What what feedback is available for for me here that might help me get better at this? Uh, like, what important skill can I practice here? And like in dating, for example, like asking for what I want, maybe that's a skill that I want to practice or communicating kindly, uh, listening deeply, asking follow-up questions, whatever it might be for you that you can kind of identify, here's a skill I want to practice and I'm going to practice it and see how it goes and then see what I can learn from it.
1: If that wasn't enough encouragement to develop a growth mindset, there was a a study a report. I think Match's annual report will link to it in the notes. Um, but basically, it was looking at kind of trends in dating in 2022, and one of the main takeaways was like singles daters are growth oriented, and they're looking for growth oriented oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. humans. Um, so, g- growth mindset is sexy. You heard it from Match.com.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think um, I. Of course, I agree wholeheartedly with this. And this is like, if there was one magic thing that I could impart in all of our clients or even to myself in the past would be this, like growth mindset. But I hear a lot, or I would have this question too in the past of like, A, why me? Right? Why me? Or like, well, there are many people that are in relationships and did not have to grow so much. And why do I have to do this, right? Why do I have to do all this work? And this pertains to mindset, right? And I think I had this mentality when I was younger. Honestly, I don't know. But this is where we're at. Like some of us, like we get given, we have different things we have to work through in our lives. Some people come with um unearned money and some people come with unearned poverty, right? And like some people some of us come here with trauma and some of us don't. And but this is this is one of the things you've been given and you will get so much more out of it if you turn towards it than if you run from it. If you turn towards it and you go like, okay, I'm gonna give myself the gift of learning the skills I need to learn to, to tackle this. And I think you gain so much more power if you decide this for yourself, if you decide to turn completely towards this and, and to tackle it and not to tackle it like, this is my year of dating and then... It's done. It's like, no, like, I'm going to turn towards this. I'm going to tend to this wound. Yeah. And that's, that's the end of my rant.
2: (laughs) Preach, (laughs) preach, Laia. (laughs) I love it. Oh, no, you're so, you're so spot on. You know, it's like, I love that you're calling us to the, you know, almost spiritual stance of like, yes, yes to this. This is what is so. I can either try to pretend like it's not and be frustrated or I can say yes and learn and be willing to learn from it. And, you know, even on a very practical level, it's like, well, you could keep asking why me, but does that get you anywhere? You know, even if, you know, a spiritual stance doesn't resonate with you practically does continuing to ask why me, why me, does that get you any further? Not usually, no. And so you might as well uh, turn towards it and see what there is to learn. I have one other mindset that I love, please, and I I borrow this from uh, my friend and coach Zotobi, who I've mentioned on the podcast before, which is this shift from uh, what can I get in dating, which is kind of the checklist, the evaluative, like I let me, I need a person who has that, and this and that, and they're tall, and they're da, 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 and whatever. Uh, to what can I give? What can I give? What can I contribute in this moment? Mm-hmm. Even in this interaction, I'm going to send this message to somebody and whether or not they respond, right? Like, let me let go of whether or not they're even going to respond because I can't control that. What do I want to leave them with if this was the only interaction I had with them? A little bit of sweetness, right? Something that ideally if, you know, again, we can't control, but ideally if they got this it might make them smile a little bit It might, you know, make their day just a little bit better, right? Like on a date, what can I give? What can I contribute? Can I be kind? Can I be caring? Can I acknowledge this person for something that I admire about them, that I've learned about them in this date? You know, whatever it is, whether or not I wanna go on a second date with this person, whether or not we're the right fit for partnership long-term, uh, it, it just, it, for me, it opens up this warm space for connection, for contribution, for using dating as a, as a chance to um, to contribute, to, to make a difference in someone's life and shifts us away from the kind of evaluative, like, am I getting what I need or want here? Which, you know, I want to caveat this to say, it's not to ignore what you need, right? I don't mean to say that at all. You're an important part of the picture. And it's just that kind of overall shift from, just me 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 what can i get to what might i contribute in this interaction
1: i don't know if you saw josh but Laya um air high-fived you <laughs> as you oh. we were saying that <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i think what's what's beautiful about what you're saying josh is i i'm just thinking about like the way that we're wired and that that makes what you're describing is sort of a shift out of kind of left brain evaluative um kind of survival brain into um ventral vagal social engagement safety and connection mode which is where secure relationships are built Mm. yes
0: (laughs) i I agree so much with all of
1: these (laughs) I do have a couple others. One is internal versus external locus of control. So we we're talking about this a little bit earlier. So essentially internal versus external locus of control means where do you believe what what is controlling the outcome of your life? Is it something outside of you or something inside of you? So individuals with a strong internal locus of control believe that they're in control of their lives and that their own actions and decisions influence the direction of their lives. Um, and external locus of control means they believe it's due to outside factors. Okay, And... Uh, numerous studies show that locus of control actually plays a significant role in both couple satisfaction and dissatisfaction. So if you believe that things outside of your control are creating the relationship that you have, you're you're more likely to be dissatisfied. So really working with your own mindset to recognize places where you may sort of interpret what's happening as a sign that the world is acting on you, um, that's a good opportunity to switch around and think, well, no, I'm, I'm actually, I, yes, chance plays a part here. And I have a lot of influence over what happens in my life.
2: Yeah, I think that's a super important one. And um, I feel like there's some important nuance in it. As you're pointing out, there are things that are legitimately outside of our control. There is, you know, we can't control everything that happens in life. And yet, uh, if we just focus on that, we don't have any experience of, it, it's a little bit like uh, fixed and growth mindset as well. It's like, we have no power, number one. It's like, right. we we kind of naturally would just go into despair. Like, well, I can't do anything. So why try? Why engage? And uh, yeah, and, and it's like not to dismiss those things, right? It's not to dismiss real things like, racism, you know, mm. and how that plays into online dating and you know, all these other things that we could name. Let's tell the truth about those and also acknowledge, okay, what do I have control over? How right. can I engage with the train that it's in front of me out of that sense of I have some agency, right? Okay, there maybe there's, um, I'm trying to get to my friend's house and there's a mountain there. I could pretend like the mountain isn't there and then get halfway there and be exhausted and worn out and wonder why it's like, well, no, there's a mountain in the way. Instead, it's like, okay, let me uh, acknowledge, okay, there's a mountain here. That's true. How do I prepare for that? Mm -hmm. Let me bring some snacks and I'm going to plan to take breaks and I'm going to do whatever else I need to do. I plan my route across the mountain or whatever it is. That's like our internal locus of control or how do I engage with the circumstances that I may or may not like or maybe just outside of my control. I love that that, uh, you're bringing that in.
1: Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, it's that's so good, and I love I love Josh what you're pointing out there. Of it's not like unbridled, I'm in control of my life, right? It's that's more of that kind of like manifestation thing, yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's like, are you seeing what is so right, and and adjusting accordingly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, in terms of what is yours, what you do have influence over versus what you don't.
2: Yeah, and not dismissing how much influence you do have. Mm-hmm. That there's like even with um, what's happening. Almost the the like the pinnacle of internal locus of control is with whatever is happening externally, I can choose how to engage with it. Right. Right. I can whatever is going on around me. I can see. Okay. I want to be kind with what's happening, even if I really don't like it. I'm gonna see how to engage with what's happening out of who I am, what's important to me, what my values are, um, rather than out of well, there's nothing I can do. You know, screw it all. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. One last mindset I will throw in there for me um, is self-compassion. Um, mm. And in my notes, I wrote, this is the mindset to rule all mindsets. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alleluia.
1: So mindful self-compassion, it's this beautiful work from Kristen Neff and Chris Germer. There's a great workbook we'll link you to. And there's a lot of research that shows if you are doing something that tends to incite burnout, Um, Self compassion is uh, an antidote to it. And that means taking time to just acknowledge internally, maybe using some practices, wow, this this is difficult. I'm suffering in this moment. I'm going to be as kind to myself as possible. And I acknowledge that other human beings are going through a similar thing in this moment. Um, and we live in a, a society that r- I think really encourages us to actually criticize ourselves as a way of pushing ourselves forward, right? So, oh, this person broke up with me. What was I doing wrong? Man, you know, really running through the list of things. I've got to change in myself. That's actually, science shows, going to be less motivating than taking time to uh, be self-compassionate um, and give ourselves care and tenderness Um I think, in kind of a counterintuitive way that actually gives us the energy to grow because it allows us to retain a sense of hope and self-esteem.
0: I agree so much. I think one last thing that I wanted to say that you guys kind of, I think we all kind of hinted at this, but I think it needs to be said that, to acknowledge that, yeah, that dating and online dating mirrors society and also society's unjust power and oppression dynamics and racism plays out in dating and classism and ageism and sexism and fat phobia and homophobia and transphobia and they're out there and they're also out there with their corresponding objectifying fetishes this is true right? And that we don't want to gaslight anybody saying, no, like everything is rosy and everything is great. It's just these things exist. And as just said, if you know there's a mountain, how do you prepare some snacks and how do you prepare some breaks and how do you get yourself the best tools and the best attitude to get to where you want? Because you still you still deserve to get at the end of that journey
1: Mm, my heart feels very soft hearing you say that it's a very touching kind realistic stance
2: well this has been delightful is there anything else that either of you uh, wants to add before we close out
0: no I think I'm done I never thought I would say that (laughs) (laughs)
2: Laya, thank you so much for being here. This has been so much fun. Mm-hmm. I thanks for being our first podcast guest and for sharing your wisdom and expertise and uh, just like lightness of being. You're such a, a kind, playful, uh, sweet human, uh, and I'm so glad we get to share that with folks on the podcast today.
1: Yes, and thank you also just for being a passionate advocate for mindful dating and for engaging with other human beings with kindness.
0: Thank you, guys. This is really delightful. I had a complete and absolute ball. Yeah, my heart is full.
2: Well... Thank you for listening. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review in the Apple podcast app. It does help other folks find the show. And if you have any thoughts, questions uh, about what we've shared on this podcast, we'd love for you to reach out to us. You can email us at podcast at relationshipcenter.com. And you can always find everything that we mentioned in the show notes, uh, relationshipcenter.com slash podcast. And until next time.
1: We love you, too.
2: We love you, too.
1: We love you, too.
2: Bye. Bye.